Welcome to a special Advent edition of Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. Good morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word on a special day this week. This Christmas and New Year's both land on Monday, so they get special programming. Welcome back to the microphone. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'll ask you one question to start off, honey. Do you love Christmas? Oh, my goodness. Christmas is the most amazing time of year. For one thing, we're all together as family. Get our kids all together. Just get to spend time with them. It's a good time to reflect. It's also a great time just to express our love. That's what this season of Advent is about. The love that God shows to us through the birth of His Son, Jesus. And the mystery and the craziness of it all, too. It's all wrapped up in this concept of Advent. And the church, throughout thousands of years now, has spent time preparing for the arrival of Christ. He's already arrived in our hearts. He has been given to us by His Spirit and in His Spirit to fill us up. So even coming to the season of Advent is a reminder and a deepening, hopefully, of something that is already present. But for those who don't have it present in their heart, they don't know that God's peace has already arrived, then we talk about how to arrive at that solution to an emptiness problem. Jesus comes to fill something that we had no clue we were empty of, Mm -hmm. to step into everything that humans experience by experiencing it as a human from the first breath. Yeah. Why on earth would God have done that? Why would he decide to become human? It gives me a greater understanding maybe of the heart of God in that he really wanted to know everything he could about what he had created. Becoming one of us was probably the only way he could do that. He couldn't just look and say, well, I made them so I know what it's like to be them. No, Take my word on this. I need to experience yeah. the joy, the sorrow, the passion, the disappointment that every human being experiences. And every human being needs to see me experience this right. for them and right. with them. So that's the fundamental fact of Christmas that we have to grapple with, and we're really going to take it seriously. This is more than just a prophet being born that had a few good ideas or had a great platform. This was God being who he really is. Among us. Right. And he came to experience real life, not just sort of life, not just a privileged life. Yeah. He came to a dire situation, to a country that was in deep turmoil, to a place that was filled with hate, a place that was filled with tragedy, a place that was in chaos. And he came to the middle of that to experience that. And we can truly take comfort in knowing that our God does experience life in every way possible that we experience it. He came from affluence. He understood the affluence, the perfect wealth of heaven to the perfect poverty of the human soul and And spirit. By perfect, you're not talking about something that's admirable, but... the the pain of it all. Mm -hmm. It perfectly represents what poverty and what oppression is like to suffer under it. Mm -hmm. Jesus starts there. Mm -hmm. He lets his own earthly parents suffer these things so that he enters into their suffering in the middle of it and adds a whole other layer of suffering by being a child that's depending on them. Mm -hmm. They have the responsibility now to save this child from a disaster. And they are already uprooted. They've been pushed across an empire to go follow the whims of some emperor. Mm -hmm. They are not on their own time here. 
They're not choosing the place and time of his birth. The father of this child from heaven is deciding and programming these things into history. They're being washed over with a tidal wave of events they can't have even fathomed. Of course, we all recognize that Mary herself was probably a teenager. Even pregnancy was dangerous for a young teen. We look at that and say, this is really a very strange tale from a modern perspective. It was a strange tale back then. Right. We have to acknowledge that right up front. I was thinking, too, about how similar this Christmas season, this revealing, this Advent has been in 2023 to what might have happened back in the first century A.D. How so? I wondered, has there ever been a year like this one where it's been so similar, such oppression in the land where Jesus was born, Mm. where the people were all feeling under the weight of an oppressive power? I don't know if there ever has been. Of course, we don't know what history was like when the great plagues were going through the world that was known at the time. We don't know what it was like for Western Christianity and Islam to be fighting out right on the place where Jesus was born and lived and had his ministry. We don't know what it was like for the Holy Land over all of those centuries. How many other years it might have been horrible for the people who actually lived in the land where Jesus was born. Yet we sense in modern day, this is really unique, Mm. that the entire Holy Land is in uproar in the middle of an also unnerving time in world history. I'm sensing it. And when Bethlehem itself cancels all of their holiday celebrations, no pilgrimages, no Christmas celebration in the center of the city, no decorations, no visiting the birthplace of Jesus in the Church of the Nativity, none of that's happening this year. In fact, you saw an interesting picture around the rubble of the town hit hard in a lot of recent violence in the West Bank, which is not that far from Gaza. The only thing that was actually put out there to represent what would be considered the manger scene is a broken down incubator, a moving push tray with an incubator sitting on top of it that has been destroyed. It's sitting out there to represent all of this. Very sobering. And that was put up there by the Christians and the Muslims of that town to say, this is what we see in the nativity this year. I think it's a good reminder that God is in the middle of the suffering. That's precisely why we want to focus on that God came down, Emmanuel, in the middle of the ugly and camped there. Not just came down as a grown-up adult to fix things or to observe things. He came as the most vulnerable human he possibly could have, as an infant, born to a young mother, born to a family that had very little means, and a refugee. They were without a home. They had no place to call their own at that point. And even later on in Jesus' young life, the Magi, they are warned to go a different way because Herod wants to kill the baby. Joseph is warned in a dream, run away to Egypt, another place to be a refugee. The life of this child is in danger. So we see that Jesus comes into, like you said, honey, a world of chaos, a world of turmoil, and experienced the fear, the danger, the upheaval, what the world was actually going through, what others were experiencing. He was born in an encampment, Mm -hmm. a hovel under the earth where sheep would have sought shelter in a storm. He was found by the Magi living in the projects of Bethlehem a few years later. Mm Because God said, don't leave this place, and kept Joseph and Mary and the baby there. There's all kinds of prophecies playing themselves out, but we also have a sociological picture here Mm -hmm. of somebody who started with nothing, going through life with very meager means, and a day laborer for a dad, and a mother who was trying to raise him at home. Mm -hmm. 
That's the picture we have to all of the nativity. And this is the advent that we're celebrating. Mm -hmm. And now we have to see him for who he really is, Mm -hmm. stuck. This is where he is when we get revealed the Son of God. Yeah. I am so drawn to this week's Advent readings, and the theme for this week is love. What did it take for the God of the universe to show us his absolute and perfect love for us? And it had to be this. It had to be, I'm coming down to be among you to show the world that I absolutely, passionately adore each person. I want to become like them and know their plight, know their situation from the inside out, not just as this cosmic observer unattached and unconnected to the lives of those he created. He wants to be an intimate and intricate part of every bit of our life. We can be part of that by just reading these words from scripture that remind us of what God intended for us. It's a beautiful way to experience the advent of Jesus Christ. Simply say, God, show me in my heart the things I am most afraid of happening to me. All the things that I'm ashamed of remembering I went through, or even the painful memories of things that were lost early on that we don't want to face, and letting those things become real in our hearts again to say, God has really experienced that and more. Do we give him credit for that, or do we just give lip service? Mm. The Advent readings, by the way, we've been doing on this series— have been just part of the readings that are available every week. Those are all listed on our website in CompassionRadio.com. You could read all the rest of the scriptures that we don't read today, but we do want to focus on the prophets and the gospel itself, and we'll read those two scriptures today. The first scripture comes from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 11. When the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I am living in a cedar palace. But God's chest is housed in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you're thinking, because the Lord is with you. But that very night the Lord's word came to Nathan, Go to my servant David and tell him, This is what the Lord says, You are not the one to build the temple for me to live in. In fact, I haven't lived in a temple from the day I brought Israel out of Egypt until now. Instead, I have been traveling around in a tent and in a dwelling. Throughout my traveling around with the Israelites, did I ever ask any of Israel's tribal leaders I appointed to shepherd my people, why haven't you built me a cedar temple? So then say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of the heavenly forces says. I took you from the pasture, from following the flock, to be leader over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and I've eliminated all of your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great like the name of the greatest people on earth. I'm going to provide a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and no longer be disturbed. Cruel people will no longer trouble them as they had been earlier when I appointed leaders over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. And the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make a dynasty for you. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry. These are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. 
You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone, no matter where you are. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. And the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make a dynasty for you. I can't help but think there's something about the condition of God's presence among his people in a tent, in a chest, that just brings to me the things that he says are best about his presence. He literally now beats within our chests in our own mm-hmm. hearts in a tabernacle, which is the tent we are. There's something about that whole image that is prophetic in itself just because of the way it's built, something that is temporary. We know ourselves, our own bodies to be temporary. This is not a bad thing that God inhabits a tent. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing that his chest, his beating heart is among us. Mm-hmm. I see the incarnation in that image, not a shame. Yeah. And yet the world sees a shame on a great God being represented with something so temporary, so flimsy. And David is set on becoming a great king in ways that great kings have always been great kings, building great Build things. Build a temple. But God has never said he's far above us. He does say oftentimes his ways are far higher than ours. His understanding is beyond our comprehension. But he, I don't believe he's ever said, I am apart from you. Mm -hmm. Or that he ever wanted to say it that way. Here is Nathan. The scripture shows us this, that he was paying lip service to the king. And he just said what the king wanted to hear. And God said, wait a minute. This is not the message I have for David. Think about this. In this dream, he spells it out. And Nathan obeys that which is a brave thing to do mm-hmm. because David was probably so pleased the day before that he was going to be able to build a great temple, a cedar temple, which would be warm and inviting like a log cabin compared to the stone and gold that Solomon eventually builds. Yet I can't escape the idea that this scene of the one that already is in their midst, the thing that Israel already has, is the very thing that he's going to give right back to them hundreds of years later in the birth of Jesus. Mm. That is a very profound way to look at this, and I had not thought of that. I love the imagery that comes up in my mind when you were describing what you were thinking, that this whole temporary idea of housing God within us, in our chest, in the heart that He created, Mm -hmm. He's part of the inner workings of our lives. He's fine with that. He's fine with being in that temporary place because it is a living, breathing place. I don't think that it occurred to me what David was trying to do, almost trying to one-up God, it, you know, it seems like. And, and I know that's not the mindset here. I know that David was honoring God, wanting to make a statement of how much he loved God and how much he worshipped God, because he was the worshipping king, the worshipping warrior king. We know his history, and we know that that's who David was. We sometimes try to do more for God. You know, we want to do something for God to make yeah. him know, to make him understand how much we love him. The people in the world respect him. The psalm says, you don't want all these burnt offerings and sacrifices. You just want my obedience. You want my broken and contrite spirit. You're not going to despise that. And we, when I say we, I mean me, <laughs> <laughs> forget that humbling ourselves before God and loving and being honest about our situation is one of the best ways we can worship Him. Indeed. You know, God, I am broken. God, I am in this place of despair. 
or even this place of joy. And I don't know where to take it other than just to tell you about it. It's like when your children want to tell you a story about something that happened at school or something that happened in their life or at work, whatever age your children are, and you just love hearing it. You just love the part of your life that they are. They want to share their life with you. And you join in their sorrow, their sadness, or even in their indignant at something that might have happened. Or you join in the joy, the excitement of things that are happening. It's just a great feeling. And as a parent, we know that. He wants us just to express those things and share them with us. He doesn't want us to build these great temples and monuments to him. And there's nothing wrong with those things in proper context. He just wants our heart. And presence, to be present. Yeah. I don't know that it's possible to hurt God's feelings, but I have Mm -hmm. wondered what it would be like for him to not be welcome in the room when he's right there. Did Jesus ever walk into a room and feel like the people that he would love to be with just don't want him in the room right now because they're having a private meeting? Did he ever feel uncomfortable stepping in with his own disciples and thinking, I'm not welcome here. Mm -hmm. I don't feel welcome. I don't know. Yeah. But if so, then I say God is capable of feeling the sting of unwelcome. Perhaps that is something we need to consider, too, about preparing for Advent. Is this season about our agenda, about our ambitions, about our family, about us? Or is it really about remembering that he is the one that started the trend that we are bucking? (laughs) The trend toward God was always to go low, to step away from pretense of ambition. Because you already owned everything and a step down into so that that moment of connecting, saying, how's your day been? Tell me about it. And being excited to share with him and him with us. How often do we actually sit down and say, God, how's your day been? (laughs) We think in terms of it being perfect. He must always be in glory, always be happy. I don't know that he is. I believe that he experiences time and place the way we do too. But it's not the only thing he experiences. He also is everywhere else. So I can't comprehend that, but I have to accept that he says his ways, his place, his station is higher and lower than anything we can possibly imagine. So let him be God. Mm. The beautiful thing about what this scripture is expressing is when Nathan comes back to David and Mm. says, this is what God says about what he's going to do and how he feels about you. Mm. I have kept you safe. I've removed your enemies. I've got a place for you a place that is safe for you. And that's one way that God is expressing his love for David and for the people of Israel in this context. And that's what this week of Advent is about. It's the way God is expressing his love to us. And it seems like God's also expressing his gratitude Mm. to David for wanting to pour out whatever he's got to make him at home with his people. The truth is, God has always been at home with his people. He hasn't always had a happy situation because they're rebellious at times. We are too. And yet he is still, at the very heart of him, full of love Mm -hmm. to be with us. Let's jump to our gospel reading from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. This again from the voice translation. It says, Six months later in Nazareth, a city in the rural province of Galilee, the heavenly messenger Gabriel made another appearance. This time the messenger was sent by God to meet with a virgin named Mary, who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David himself. The messenger entered her home. Greetings, you are favored, and the Lord is with you. Among all women on the earth, you have been blessed. The heavenly messenger's words baffled Mary, and she wondered what type of greeting this was. The messenger says, Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. 
Listen, you are going to become pregnant. You will have a son, and you must name him Savior, or Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus will become the greatest among men. He will be known as the Son of the Highest God. God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the covenant family of Jacob forever. Mary says, but I have never been with a man. How can this be possible? The messenger says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. That's why this holy child will be known as not just your son, but also as the Son of God. It sounds impossible, but listen, you know your relative Elizabeth has been unable to bear children and is now far too old to be a mother. She has become pregnant as God willed it. Yes, in three months, she will have a son. So the impossible is possible with God. Mary, deciding in her heart, says, Here I am, the Lord's humble servant. As you have said, let it be done to me. Oh, to have that kind of faith, to trust that God has your best interest in mind, even when it's such a difficult situation like this. This is not an easy road, and we know how difficult it becomes eventually. Mm. She doesn't. And she still says yes. I think she may have had an inkling of how difficult it might be just to be an unwed young woman who turns up pregnant. What the ramifications of that in her culture and her society would mean. And we don't understand. We don't know because we haven't lived in that culture. And many people who maybe are listening to this, many women, may have found themselves in a situation of being an unwed mother. Mm. And the difficulty that that may bring to your life and the joy that's there from the birth of a child, the hardship and the joy and the sorrow, all of it is all tangled up into that emotion. I I had a friend tell me one time, there's nothing not good about a baby. It is a gift from the Lord. And we experience a surprise gift in our own lives, in our (laughs) 40s. There's every joy that comes with that. But we had each other and family to really lean on and depend on. Mary didn't have that promise of those who would gather around and give the baby shower and, you know, be full of joy with her. She probably had hope that she would coming time to give birth to this baby. And suddenly the world gets uprooted all around them. They're forced to hit the road as displaced persons because some emperor demands that they show up at their ancestral city right at the worst possible time for her. Yeah. Well, and Mary is our example of expressing her worship and love to God by being a willing person, willing body. Maybe we need to see ourselves as Bethlehem today. Are we welcoming of a Savior to come who is a refugee at our door? Mm. What does love really require of us? Hopefully you've lit the Christ and the love candles on your Advent wreath, or you're planning to do one next year. But love is always tied in with welcome and with grace and acceptance. Have you been willing as a family, as a person, as a church to say, come be with me, you foreigner, you stranger from this town? And just be one of us. Because that's how the nativity started. So this Advent, we lay the Christ child in your hands and ask you to take care of him. May God give you a blessed 12 days of Christmas as you prepare for celebrating the arrival of the wise men. There's so much more to Christmas and the revelation of Christ himself happening right now. Please, friends, don't miss it.
That's what God's love is Remember friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.